So I'm joined here with Pierce. Pierce, how's it going? Good, good. How are you? All good, all good. I'm with Connor Coyle again. Connor, how's things with you? Not too bad, Connor. You well? Great. And finally, we've got Cahar O'Kane, who was there to take in uh, Slough Neil. Uh, the famine is over, Cahar. Uh, they, they finally won back the Derry title. Um, how was it yesterday in Balahi? <laughs> famine. Three years of a famine. You know you're you know you're going well in three years is a famine. Um, I it was it was very it was uh, everything we probably expected from the game to be honest. It was very cagey and very tactical and slightly did a wee bit more about them, but so much was so much depended on the first fifteen minutes really. And I think. Um, Slight Neil at five attacks, Marfelt at four, and Slight Neil at three points, Marfelt at one, and just the nature of the game. The rest of it was played on Slight Neil's terms because they had the lead. They didn't have to go into the contact, and Marfelt were set up not to come out, and it became just a a game of of passing the ball back and round and square and forward and back again and waiting for the gap to appear, and um, it wasn't pretty wasn't wasn't a, a good spectacle at all really but um it always felt even from that early stage it always felt like it was going to take something serious from Marfelt to turn the game and it's funny to look at it's mad to say that about a 3-1 lead after 15 minutes but um it was just the nature of the contest that it never really looked like it was going away from Slagneal after that point and the Maher felt um, shape up any differently to last year. You know, they were um, in how they, they were under the final last year. Did they shape up any differently uh, tactically in that sense? No, and pretty much the same. Pretty much the same setup, um, and it has worked very, very well for them. You know, when people will be critical of it, um, it's not. It's not pretty. The the average thirteen points a game, twelve or thirteen points. Um, scoring wise um, but the goal they give away a goal bad goal in the semi-final against the loop um, were, were a real rare mistake um, handed a goal to Kieran Devlin that's the only goal that they've conceded in eight knockout championship games including yesterday and Marfield didn't want a championship for 41 years and weren't competitive for a lot of the years in between and when Adrian Cush landed and he made a point after the game yesterday of saying that, you know, when they came in, Adrian and, and Paul Quinn from Donoghmore along with him and, and James Slater from Dungannon, they came in and Marfeld hadn't won a knockout championship game in six years. Um and within the first well, by the end of their second season they were county champions. So it's, it's justified the way they played completely um, but the downside of the way they play is then when they have to go and chase a game as they did yesterday and it left them funny enough it left them having to come out after half time and they probably will will view it with a wee bit of regret because when they came out and played after half time they played a lot better and they weren't really caught out defensively they still had enough at the back to contain Slack Neil and, and I think they will regret maybe Maybe just not pushing on that wee tiny bit more. Maybe not springing Cormac Murphy off the bench that wee bit earlier. He he made a big impact when he came on. Set up the goal straight away within 30 seconds. And um, had a big impact. But it was just, you know, even that brought the gap back from 5-2. to two. And in a game when Marfield had only scored three times, it um, it still didn't look like enough. Gahar is, is, is the fact that the game was so... Was kind of tight and and cagey, kind of as you say. Like, is that all down to Mara felt like? Because I know Slot would maybe have that wee bit of defensive kind of solidity about them this last couple of years. Like, you know, do you think it was? Is it all Mara felt's fault? Kind of what you're saying there. I to, to be honest, like, I mean, if you base it on the evidence of of everything up to the final, you you would have to say it is. You know, it was Mara felt set up and Slight Neil murdered it. You know, because. The stupid game for Slack Neil would have been to try and play the way they'd been playing, um, to to try and kick the ball and to try and, you know, force things and you know, Marvel thrive off turnovers. 
Um, that's what they that's what they base their game on is is being very solid, creating turnovers, and then they're lightning on the break. Um, like Slagnail's form up until the final, they were running up hurling scores. Um, they were they were averaging two seventeen a game. They were playing a lot of the time with two and three inside and kicking loads of ball, tearing teams apart really. And um, you know, had had it been a man for man game yesterday, I'm sure they would have would have been quite happy with that. So in terms of the setup of the game, yep, it was it was Marfeld who dictated the style of the game. But Slagneal are comfortable playing that way too, as you say. Like they're they're very good defensively themselves and you know just loaded bodies back into their own half when they were defending too and, and created the same amount of turnovers and actually turned Marfeld over more. Um the first thirty two or thirty three minutes of the game they turned Marfeld over seven times in the in their own defensive forty five, like which which really sucked the oxygen out of Marfeld. Because whatever bit of possession they had, and whatever few chances they were creating on the break, they were getting stripped of the ball before they got a shot away, and and it was it was sucking the life out of them really. And um, and all looks like Neil had just, you know, on a, a remarkable stat like of the two starting forward lanes, there was a single point from play between the twelve of them. Um, Shane McGuigan kicked it, and from a mistake from a kickout, so. It was all about who could score from deep, and Slagneal just had a wee bit more um, in in more areas. Brenton Rogers carried serious ball out of fullback, and Chrissy McKeag was man of the match. A um, couple of early scores, a good game. Keelan Finney um, marked Danny Heaven very well. Paul McNeil marked Shane Heaven very well, and they just they just uh, had enough. And what was a very sort of very tactical game, really. I was kind of surprised at myself, like, you know, I thought the two Hebron brothers, like, you know, if, if you're not getting an awful lot of, a lot out of them, you know, scoring-wise, like, it's you're, Marfield are going to have a very difficult enough day, like, you know, so, um, it, it's just a bit of a strange one, like, you know, when you're talking about their, the way the two teams set up and stuff, and it kind of nearly felt like, you know, I'm only watching the highlights of the game myself, it kind of nearly felt like it was a game from a few years back, where, you know, it seemed at one stage that nearly every team, club and county was was playing this whole kind of, you know, having as many men back as possible and kind of avoiding contact as much as you can, kind of putting it through the hands as much as you can. It's about, it's, it felt like as if maybe it was a bit a bit kind of outdated, nearly even Marfeld's strategy at this stage. I look, there, there's, there's definitely an argument there that in terms of the sort of national trend of the game it, it probably is a wee bit outdated but then the flip side is as I say the 40 41 years without a championship and 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 it has been very successful for them um and to be fair probably conditions then dictated a fair wee bit yesterday as well in that you know the pitch it was his fourth the fourth game on the pitch in just over 29 hours I think it was and um and there'd been a lot of rain overnight here on Saturday night and Sunday morning, and it it was very slippery. That you know, Blahi's pitch was cut fairly short, and had been in great shape all through the championship. Hosted a lot of games, but just that rain took its toll, and then the the sort of grass coverage disappeared, and it became nearly like a mud surface in in parts. And it, so so both teams were staying out of the contact because they knew if they went in, they weren't going to get turned back out. You know they were going to lose their feet on mm. the surface, so that probably dictated a lot of the keeping the ball out of contact as well. Because you know there was a double jeopardy then in terms of going into it. Um, you were you were at even greater risk of of getting turnover and and strung or sorry sprung on the break. So um, it, it probably was dictated a wee bit by that. Just in terms of Stock Neil themselves, um, Cara, from what you've seen over the last, um, obviously this year they went in the championship, the first one since 2017, and they were going around in the All Ireland championships in those years as well. Have they evolved at all from, especially 2016, when we reached the final, the All Ireland final? Have they evolved at all that you could see, obviously this year the Ulster championship isn't going to happen, but in, in years to come, that they could go down one step further? They have, they have. Funny, I've had the conversation a couple of times um, 
over the last day or so with men who maybe hadn't seen that much of Slight Neil. Obviously, we no fans with a lot of games and we hadn't seen as much of them this year and, and maybe based on the evidence of yesterday felt that, that you know, saying maybe Slight Neil weren't as good as as they had been and, and I would contend that they're better than than they have been at any point in terms of the style of football that they're now playing and the scoring power that they now possess up front. Like Shane McGuigan is he's 23 and has over the last 12 months developed into an absolutely serious, serious forward who, you know, if we get to see him in a bit of county football over the next couple of years, you'll you'll see outside Derry what it, what he has turned into. Um, Brian Cassidy has come really on leaps and bounds as a real scoring threat, and Christopher Bradley's playing closer to goal than he had been, and it just gives them such an age as I said about them racking up hurling scores you know they're having with 316 they scored one game 321 in another game you know massive big scores in, in football games and and um, and they're as resolute defensively and probably you know they won that championship without probably the best man marker in the county in, in Karen McCaig who, who tore his Achilles tendon and was out for the year so um you know, Paul McNeil has developed massively from from those All Ireland finals. Um, physically, much much stronger. Um, Brenton Rogers is is playing brilliant stuff. Chrissy McKeague's playing great stuff. You know, Keelan Feeney's bigger and stronger and older. They just, to me, they're definitely a stronger team individually now than they were. Uh, even a couple of years ago and I think they'll be sore in a sense of over the fact that this is the year that Covid struck and, and all the rest because I think they'd be primed for a real run at an All-Ireland a real, you know, I think I think they'd, they'd have their best shot at it at the moment Just on just on Maherfelt then um, so obviously look, they won it for 40 years then they win it last year playing a certain style they go they you know they go on a run this year maintaining that style uh and they don't win it this year is there a is there a potential within their team a bit of a springboard from this that they could evolve in the next uh you know in the next couple of years to be to be threatening again or is this is it this style that has brought them to that top table um well again i think everybody has to evolve because eventually then you get worked out um and you have to keep evolving, otherwise you just stand still. Um, the problem for Marfelt was probably evident yesterday and is evident in, in a lot of what they score. They just don't have a real run of... You, you know, what I said about Slack Neal's forward line improving so much over the last two or three years, like Slack Neal aren't... Or sorry, Marfelt aren't there yet. Um, their forward line lacks real natural scores. She and Heaven they rely on for a lot of of what they get from play. And even you know, even in the knockout stages, I think he had scored one thirteen up until up until the final. Um he only got a point from a free yesterday. So one fourteen in the knockout stages and only four points from play. And they would have been reliant on him for those four points from play. Um you know, they have the like of Paddy McLaren and off the bench, they have young Declan Martin and, um, as I mentioned, Conor McMurphy, who had been carrying a bit of an injury through the championship and was a big impact off the bench. But, you know, you, you could argue that maybe if they started a team with Declan Martin, Conor McMurphy, Patrick McLaren, Gene Heaven, maybe through Anton McElhone and Niall Higgins, you could argue they have a forward line to trouble teams, but they're so stacked with defenders. Like, Marfelt could comfortably field probably 10 really, really good defenders. And I, you know, I I wouldn't be wanting to walk into the changing room to take over from Adrian Cush and tell them that to throw up the game plan and to start playing man for man because I think it's been hugely successful for them, very effective for them, and it plays to their strengths. They're stacked with defenders and they're not stacked with scoring forwards. So I don't really know what else you do. Yeah, and Connor, just on just when Cahar's mentioned there about Slough Neil, 
you know, making a, you know, if there was an Ulster club making a p- potential push there, and you look around Ulster and the other provinces as well, um, across the landscape, you have the likes of say Dungannon, you know, who are new team coming into Ulster club, you'd have Cargan, who you know are celebrating three in a row in Antrim and that. Uh, for you, where from watching the other county finals and that have taken place, where does Slocknail really rank in that? There, do you think that's something that? Okay, if there's no Ulster club this year, but you know, is something that Slocknail potentially in the next few years going on and finally winning that All Ireland title. I think we were chatting about it with one of the last podcasts there. Like, I mean, there's there's a number of teams I think kicking themselves that you know we felt as if they would have had a really really good chance at here, particularly with with Corfin not not being in the mix. Um, I think Kilku probably is is one that you know they felt probably after last year they, they you know they, they just missed out you know so i think they were one that probably were probably would have been poised for another Ulster club and, and would have loved to take another hit at uh, the all ireland as well but um i haven't i haven't seen too much of slot need this year as, as kahar said but from, from what he's saying um you know they they seem to have come on obviously leaps and bounds as well so it would have been it would have been a, a, a cracking Ulster club and and uh you know, and and heading into the All Ireland series as well. So, um, unfortunately, it doesn't look as if we're we're going to be able to, um, to see any of it. But um, you know, I think the likes of Slot Needle, Kilku, um, probably Ballymun would would have been in with a good shout as well there. So I think you know, um, yeah, it would have been would have been a cracking championship to have a look at. But unfortunately, we can't we can't have a look at it this year anyway. Yeah. Um. Just um. Then Cahar, you'd obviously you're. You had your piece in the in the Irish news recently around uh, Celtic Park and that, which I'm sure you got plenty of uh, feed, <laughs> feedback on anyway. Um, feed, feedback being the word. Yeah. Um, the um, so the finals being held in Balahi yesterday. You mentioned Balahi held a good few uh, matches there recently. How did that work then? You know, logistically. I mean, did, did it did it. As a venue, is it does it work well for those types of occasions? And you know, like I know you, I know you put your feelings across about Celtic Park and that there anyway. But um, with the one bag being out of, out of it worked okay for the occasion anyway. I look, Balahi's sort of well used to hosting big games um, down the years. It has got a great big um, sprawling terrace on the far side that accommodates a a good crowd on a big day. Um, and can feel like a very atmospheric ground um, when it is when it is packed. Um, obviously, there's there's the long running debate about Celtic Park, but just in terms of this one, it was obviously out of commission because of the the rise in, in cases in in Derry City and Strabane sort of area, and that and that ruled it out. Balahi, you know, Derry is stacked with brilliant club grounds as well you know clubs have invested serious money in their in their facilities in Derry like you know but Balahi being one of them Balanus Green have have a superb new pitch um this last five or six years in Pronte and that would have been a traditional home of of Derry games um the stands probably in need a wee bit updating but but it's still a great venue for games um you play in Mahara brilliant venue for Glen have put up a big stand and they're pitch it doesn't get an awful lot of use and you know there's just there are so many options for big games in Derry um that that even you know obviously you need a a stadium you need a base somewhere you don't want to be moving about as, as you would well know and in, in Antrim I don't think it helps any team as particularly a county team to be moving from from pillar to post every week and, and not knowing the bumps and crevices of their own home pitch but um I suppose my point in Celtic Park would have been the the need for the two of them, need for Celtic Park and for Owen Beg. Owen Beg should be should be good to go again for for next year once the pitch has got a bit of growing and um, uh, it's just whether we need the two of them. Yeah, well we'll move from Pierceville head down to lovely Leinster where you know in Dublin they have their home ground sorted uh, most cases anyway. But uh, we'll just look at the May final then. So. Pierce, talk us through what happened there. Obviously, a very, fr- a very frantic end to the game there. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, that's you could say that again. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, quite a frantic finish. Radoth, um the reigning champions coming into this, and probably the slight favourites uh, coming up against a really, really good team in Gael Conum Kill. 
Um, they looked like they were going to win it. They were. They had the near perfect performance pulled off. But similarly, as we discussed on a previous podcast um, last week about the uh, Dublin final, often these games, especially teams coming into it who are have a little bit of pressure on their back, have a little bit of kind of expectation on the back. The jersey can kind of weigh a bit heavier. It can creep into their into the back into the back of their heads, especially in terms of concentration when the weather's not right in deepest darkest minutes of a county final. I suppose in one way it's probably just up a nightmare for Galcom Kill, you know, holding out, holding out, holding out. And then the very, very last, you know, after that, it comes and it, it heartbreak for them with that last uh, goal from Joey Wallace for Rat Oat. But yeah, I think in terms of in terms of the game itself, it was quite a decent contest. Um Gail Colin Kill played well. Um like I said, like really, really performed well. But it just I suppose at at the end of the day with them and with Rat Oat, it's 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 coming it's quite the opposite. It's probably reversed a little bit of a trend um, that we've seen around the country, and you know, kind of, and similarly, similarly with, with other counties, maybe up in the Stockdale, like the 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 heavyweight in the county getting over the line, um, and the favourite and the and the underdog not really not being able to live up to expectation. It happened here. It's really unfortunate though, because you know they they did really put in the, the performance to warrant. Uh, the, the championship. Yeah, and they, I suppose, uh, Conkill probably with their, you know, I think you score a 66 minute uh, penalty to go three point three points up, you usually expect to win. Well, of course, yeah, and again, and it's something, it's something that to be looking back on, thinking, you know, how did we let that one slip out of our hands? But again, you got to play to the final whistle. It's a cliche. You're gonna have you hear it in dressing rooms all around the country at every age level. But you got to keep going to the final whistle, and it's. And for teams that have done it, for teams like how many times in the, the All Ireland series have we seen it happen to Mayo, for instance? You know they get so so close, but then it's the final final fall ball, and the winners are able to kind of people who've done it before are able to push it over the line. It's that feeling of knowing how to win. Like it again, it, it's something that's cliched a lot in the game, but you know if you come up against a team who knows how to win, who've been there, who've done that, especially recently like I thought Rathout and. You know they're going into the county hurling final as well, like uh, next weekend. So there's winners in that squad who just know how to keep, who won't give up until the final ball is kicked. Um, so yeah, and 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 again, when when you have quality like Joey Wallace and Brian McMahon in that forward line, Rathout will always have a chance. Yeah, and I mean it was obviously we've we've had some fantastic county finals. Um, this year so far um we'll get on to maybe uh in a, in a wee minute here about uh, probably um there will not be that very many more after this but um connor we've obviously had some cracker ones the dungannon win obviously stands out as well um this Meath final then where does it rank for you do you feel or do you feel like actually there's been that many of them now it's hard to even think back to to those classics uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to beat a, a 67th minute uh, goal to, to win it after being two points down. Like, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, like, uh, watching it back that, you know, when your man had the, had the penalty in injury time, I know he ended up scoring it, but I was just thinking, like, you know, draw a game. I, I definitely would have been a, a man for tapping the ball over the bar myself now. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, have, uh, I wouldn't have had the courage to go for it then. But, um, no, Jesus, it was... Um, it was Fair play. It was it was a real kind of standard hail mary that that won it for them in the end. Um, you love to see it. You know at that stage is just there's nothing else for it. Only to to get it in the mixer and the smallest man in the field comes comes out with a winner. Like it was fairy tale stuff. Like you know. So um, yeah. Jesus. In terms of drama, there there wouldn't have been too much to beat it. Maybe maybe apart from the likes of the Dungannon game. Um, but yeah. Just as as we were saying this last few weeks, like some really. Really class action and, and some some brilliant kind of drama across all the different finals, but um yeah, tough on on Colin Kill obviously in the end. Car, would you have stuck the penalty over, or would you have stuck it in the back of the net yourself? What do you think? Are you be well? <laughs> well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be unusually immodest here, but I, I missed I missed one penalty in eight years for the club, so I, I'd have been <laughs> I'd have just... been lucky to stick it. <laughs> How many did you take? <laughs> Four. <laughs> That's not bad, actually. Yeah, uh, That's not bad. I don't know how many I took, but not, no, not that many. To be fair, we weren't a we weren't a goal scorer in our penalty winning team. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the 2012 hurling final. Um, Shefflin, they, they were level uh, against Galway, and he, they got a penalty in the last minute. And he put it over to go a point up, and then Galway ended up leveling it and bring it to the replay. Um, but it just goes to show you, like 
I mean, Cahar Shefton was stuck over and you just stuck on the net. Fair play to you. Um, right. Well, I would have tried and must. <laughs> <what happened. laughs> um, look, we'll move on to what's the, been the big story kind of come out of today here. So the GAA management committee has decided to suspend all club games at all levels with immediate effect until further notice. Um I think it's, they've mentioned in their statement as well, it's in the interest of public safety following the number of incidents brought to our attention in recent days. I suppose they couldn't miss them really if they're on uh, social media at all. Post-match celebrations and lack of social distancing as well. Um, it, it, Connor, it applies to all ages, all grades across across the island, but I think there's maybe a couple of senior finals still to be played in, in Leash and Donegal and Cork and that, but uh, how much of a blow is this really now to especially after the summer we've had? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one to take, you know, particularly for those those clubs that are involved in those um, those county finals there. And again, especially the fact that there, there's nothing to come after that in terms of provincials or or, or all Ireland clubs or anything. Um, so, you know, that that'll be, that was the, the the one thing that, that, that they had going for them this year. And, and, and I'm sure they'll be, they'll be devastated not to be able to play them. Um, it's, it's hard to know whether it was the right decision. I mean, I suppose at this stage, considering the numbers that are coming out and, uh, yeah, a lot of the, the kind of negative media coverage maybe that's, that's come out about the, about the, the celebrations afterwards and stuff. I mean, listen, it's, it's hard on, on, on clubs. Like, you know, you look at the likes of some of the clubs that have, have, have won county titles for the first time in decades there and, like, how, how do you kind of constrain that emotion, you know, that that, that comes with that? It's, it's very, very difficult. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it's obviously a, a huge blow at the stage and really kind of throws into question whether or not there'll there'll be any kind of county action, inter county action to follow this. I mean, I find it very difficult to um, to see at the stage. Yeah, Cahar, you tweeted earlier about almost having to take the view of being appreciative that we got any any uh, of a season at all. Really, is looking at this is that sort of the way we're going to have to look at this now. I love it. It's it's again. I mean, you've heard so many people say it over the last few weeks as well. But you know, if you rewind back, just you know, basically to sort of late March, April, May time, we didn't think we were going to get any football at all. Um, thought it was going to be a very, very long year. Um, and then it sort of brightened up a bit. And as it turned out, the football we got and the hurling that we got was some of the best football and hurling that we've ever got. And I don't know, maybe it was just the hunger for it and the and the ability to stand back and appreciate it for for what it was, but some of the stuff that the clubs have produced over the last three or four months has been, you know, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Um, and it has kept the nation going, really, um, because for a lot of people, such a big part of the life of a GA person, that can... And to not have the games, and even though they can't get to them and see them, obviously the streaming has made a big impact, and the the TV companies themselves sort of stepping up and doing a bit more, and um, and it has brought you know it's brought new perceptions of you know obviously I think a lot of people in the country now probably have a different perception of their own football um, from seeing some of the games in their club championship, which you know anybody who'd followed their own football closely would have known was there, but a lot of people just. You know, based their perception of throwing on the county team, and and it's not always a, a positive one. And then you know, you Cavan final last weekend, and people saying, "She's Cavan football's great too." And and um, even I, it's just been a a brilliant few months of a reset. And obviously, you've the knock on impact now that it looks like it's going to force a split season, which is you know something. I've been crying out for, and a lot of other people have been crying out for for years. But it's it's taken this for the GA to realise that this is the way that it has to go for players and for everybody. And it's just, you know, I, I'm just very glad that we got three or four months of football because a lot of sports didn't get what they wanted and didn't get as much out of what we got. I think there's 11 county finals in the country between senior, junior, intermediate, hurt and whatever, there's 11 county finals outstanding um, at the minute and it's sore in those 22 teams. But um, it's nearly amazing that we've got this far at the same time. 
Yeah, and Pierce, I suppose it's a case of we got a taste for it after thinking we wouldn't. And um, yeah, like I know we talked last week about whether you know we could have club provincials, and you were saying realistically, actually, we probably couldn't, you know. And then I suppose now we're coming to look at this year, and this is sort of the way we're going with it at the minute. Is the decision that's been made? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting when you said that, Tara, like about you know the how it's almost like turned it on its head and made us look at it differently. And I think, you know, six months ago when this when it was all called off originally and it was kind of gradually brought back, I was of the opinion that, you know, I'm sure there's some things we can do. There's the games we brought back gradually, you know, we could space people out, social distancing, mask, all that. But unfortunately, and it's like we've all seen videos of different different occasions and, you know, different instances across across the country where it's been unfortunate the scenes that we've seen because you know uh, to put it simply the rules haven't been stuck by when people have been celebrating these not in every instance a lot of clubs have uh have stuck to the rules and i'm sure they're going to be very sore about this as well but you know one club doing it is one too many and it sets a bad example and i think the one thing I think with John Horn and the GA committee, I think in a way, this might be a bit of an unpopular opinion. I think they have to be given some credit for being decisive on this because I think in, a, in an awful lot of other sports, they're going, there's going to be an awful lot of uncertainty and they're going to be waiting to what the government have said, uh, say tonight or over the next coming days. But I think what the GA have to look at now going forward is, yeah, there's incredible emotion. Look, I'm in. I'm involved with clubs over the years, and seen plenty of county finals where emotion rides high. But in the current climate, in the current environment, we need to work out a system that we can handle it a little bit better. Whether this means that the intercounty season happens, I, I still think it will. I think the intercounty season is going to be important to the country, and I think, you know, politically, it's going to. It would take an awful lot for it not to happen, I think, because, you know, the country's going through an awful lot. We're going into winter. It's going to be a hard winter. The country's going to need something. And, I, for instance, I read somewhere that, you know, the government's talking about a new bank holiday down, down south. So those sort of things are going to be needed. And I think it's going to be in such a way, it's going to have to be behind closed doors. It's going to be, have to be what it's like over in the UK with uh, with football. Like, it's, it's going to have to be behind, behind closed doors no other way about it until we get into such a position where people can go to games and people can celebrate the games in a safe manner because it's something you know which is in all our hands and this is something that was talked about for months on end and the GA did wonderful in terms of at the start of this pandemic about you know looking after communities stepping up and doing our bit and I think as a collective it's not just up to the, you know, the hierarchy in the GA. As a collective, we need to get back to that because that's, I think, see, will be the only way we can get games back. You know, imploring members to wear masks, imploring members that if you're going to go to a game or if you're going to go to a training session, that you take those restrictions seriously, whether it's sanitising properly, whether it's taking, it's, it's um, standing your distance because, look, we, I want to see games as much as the next person. I would I would love to see the championship one. I'd love to see a full, a full crop park. But, like, we're in the middle of a public health crisis, and unfortunately that's, that means that we got to look at things a little bit differently, and we got to maybe take the emotion out of it just for a year or two until we get this sorted. Yeah, and, Cahar, you mentioned in your in your column as well about the... the um the effects that the GA will have in terms of the, you know, TV rights and sponsorship deals and that. So is, is a decision like this they're making over the club game, is that, is it, is, well, one, a lot of the, the kind of publicity and that that's coming out at the moment around GA games, but also as a way of protecting and minimising anything that could come out of them to protect the inter-county game, which ultimately the, the GA is obviously very reliant on. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on there. I think there's definitely an element of of protection of of the intercounty game, and you you probably don't need to look much further than the timing. And obviously, there was there was much chat about what the Irish government was going to do 
today, but or sorry, yesterday, but um, it, it's just you're what nine days, ten days from the resumption of of intercounty football, um, and the G could have sat it out until the Doyle had met on on Monday evening and, and made a decision, um, but they jumped, and I think there's definitely an element of of safeguarding. And creating a bit of daylight and creating a, a literally almost a fourteen day window, which is obviously as we know the quarantine period um, for 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 cases, um, creating that bit of light between club and county and trying to give the inter county game as fresh a slate to start off as possible, because as we know, there's been not only a rise in infection numbers in in general and both sides of the border, but there's been arrays of incidents around GA clubs not related to games but related to the aftermath of games and the celebrations and different things and that has then fed back into county panels and we're seeing county panels already having to to quarantine stop training and take breaks for for two weeks at a time because you know they're they're testing positive then as well and it's it's creating that wee bit of chaos and that wee bit of uncertainty that that you know I think the GA would like club and county at this point now to become distinct from each other and to allow the county game that bit of that bit of space and, and freedom away from the, the club game and the possibility of carrying infections from from one end to the other. And Connor, you think the the decision around this is is the GA almost demonstrating to the Irish government that look, we're taking action here. Please don't please don't make us call off the inter county game. Essentially, is kind of what they're doing here. It's a it's a bit of um almost it's it's decisive action like Pierce or like Pierce has mentioned in there, and it's a good way for them to be able to demonstrate and an easier way for them to demonstrate, and rather than waiting until two weeks time. I, th- I think from their their statement that that they put out today, like I mean, that, that really did seem to be what they were trying to do. I mean, they could have easily just put out a uh, you know a shorter statement, which which said you know in line with in line with the you know the health guidelines uh, in, in 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 the republic that we you know this is what we had to do and we wanted to, to be one step ahead of the game. And I mean, not in all likelihood, you know, I know they're talking about most all of the country going into the stage three and, and possibly even beyond that. Um, you know, I think it was probably inevitable. It was just the timing of it. I think they, it was nearly a bit of a, a statement from the GA in, 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 in response to kind of events that have been, been going on over the last few weeks. Um, you know, I mean, I, th- I think as, as, as Cahar has alluded to there, um, you know, I think we're talking about intercounty teams, you know, uh, pausing training at this stage because because players have tested positive and and, and things like that. I I mean I I don't even think myself, you know, in ter- that that's going to be able to do it in, in in terms of being able to stop it. I mean I think it's inevitable that you know the players will 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 probably pick this up at some stage, you know, throughout the championship. And then if a team has to stop training, um, you know, how can they go out and play a match? And and even if they they are able to play a match, you know. There's going to be the excuse of of they weren't able to prepare correctly because they weren't able to train and stuff. So, for that reason, I I, I just can't see it actually. Um, you know where it gets started maybe is another thing, but I think at a certain stage it just it'll become unviable. Um, but um, yeah, I think just from the GA's perspective, they've they've tried to kind of get ahead of the game and make a bit of a statement over it. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure how um effective you know that's going to be i mean at the end of the day um there was little i suppose that i was going to say there's little that they could have done about um you know preventing these kind of you know on pitch celebrations with the crowd and stuff like that there but there's probably people that would argue the opposite and that you know there probably was more that they could have done up, up, up at that point um but yeah it's it's if it does kind of peter out and that's the end of the season it'll, it'll, it'll be a sad one and like you mentioned there about the the intercounty teams that have had to um you know pause training and they've had to and there's i think armagh were 
one that was mentioned there recently, and I think Gary, you had mentioned before about um, Donegal and Fermanagh being affected too. Um, has there? Now I'm not. I'm not 100 sure of this. So maybe one of you do know, but like, has there been a decision made regarding? So you, you've you've seen a few controversies this year with teams being thrown out of the championships and then some getting their games postponed when they've had positive cases. Has there been a decision made of what actually happens for the All Ireland if there is a positive case? Well, yeah, the this the the sort of guideline is that you know the team forfeits um, if they can't if they can't field for a game and, and realistically it is the only option in terms of if you have a positive test and they run into a game with the fourteen day window it would have too big of a knock on effect on fixtures if it had been a you know if the quarantine period had been four days or even seven days you maybe could have managed it but a 14 day period um creates huge you know huge obstacles for moving fixtures and so you know i think brian mcavoy had said in her paper last week that it was uh was a last option for counties to default on a game and to be removed from the championship but at the same time when you stand back and look at it it seems like the only option because you know if Take, you know, just for example, say, take Donegal and say Donegal had to forfeit the or had a positive case before the Tour One game, and you know you try to put that fixture back, it means the semi-final gets knocked back. It means the Ulster final gets knocked back, and then the obvious, obviously the other three provinces are all tied to the same dates and trying to run into all Ireland semi-finals. So it's it's just logistically very tricky. Um, so. If uh, if there is a an outbreak around a county squad in championship, I would expect that I'd expect that they'll just be removed from the championship and and the show will go on, which yeah. would which would create a farcical situation if it was if it was Dublin and obviously you no know, the infection numbers are there are higher, but it would just completely demean the entire championship if if the five in a row winners were. Yeah, we're knocked out, and you were awarding all Ireland title to somebody else without having beaten Dublin, like it. And that's that's you know, I think that's the threat in terms of the credibility of the thing. Yeah, so dare 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 say it, Pierce, that um the county and the other teams will be wanting Dublin to to stay in, and they want their fair crack at them. Um, I think um I think looking at it as well, the um the decision around games and uh. In Croke Park and places like that, there that can hold these um, hold these here effectively. It looks like it probably will be behind closed doors anyway. Um, for you looking at it, you know Dublin um, say that you know they've they've obviously have their achievements over recent years. Is is it something that is it something that they'd be wary of? Um, you know Dublin obviously have fantastic resources themselves. You know to help prepare for these types of things. But is it something that is a worry in Dublin? You know, like that, or do you think there's a there is a wee bit of a an asterisk around this year anyway? I think there's a wee bit of an asterisk around it this year. Um, like I kind of got that impression when I have to see in like Darren Daly retiring, Darren McConley retiring. I kind of got the impression that you know if they're retiring before the championship, that says to me that you know they're looking at it into the winter and going, who knows what's going to happen? Who knows if that if it'll go ahead? Who knows? You know, could whatever what's going to happen? And I think that to me probably says that Dublin, dare I say it, are probably in a period of a little bit of transition now. And like I just with the whole championship itself, you know. Not to be contradictory, but I know I said that I think it will go ahead. But in the case of whether it should go ahead, I think if the GA came out and said, "Look, the club championships have been great. You know, we've negotiated with the government to get the the other eleven all played off behind closed doors. But once they're all played off, we're going to call. You know, we're going to put a fork in it. That's it done. I don't think." I think the initial disappointment will probably fill there pretty quickly because if they can back that up with a case of looking at and saying, look, over the winter we're going to sit down as a as an organisation, as a collective, and try to work out the fixtures mess, you know, once and for all. Because as the guys alluded to there, like the biggest success this year was the club championship, getting that back up and running and getting it to such a stage where, you know, people 
almost in a, in a way fell back in love with the game and fell back in love with the idea of what it was all about. And I think that in itself is probably an achievable goal for the organisation at this moment in time. Because I think with the intercounty again, although we'd love to see, you know, a, a, a December All-Ireland final would be unique and it'd probably bring great crack in among, like, and if, if Dublin was in a position where people could go into the pubs again, it probably would be great great fun having an All-Ireland final around then. But if it's not, and if we're kind of watching the game and, you know, in between the third lockdown or the fourth lockdown we've all been through, it just, I don't think, there's no point in kind of risking, not to be too kind of dramatic about it, but risking the integrity of it. Because as Kara mentioned there, like if, if for instance, for argument's sake, Dublin had a set amount of cases and they were, and they had to forfeit games, I think players themselves will kind of look at it and go, even if we win it, even if Mayo went on and win it, they'd still be looking and going, well, wasn't it really against everyone? It wasn't really against their biggest rivals. And, you know, if that does happen, it probably, I don't know. Again, like it's, it's such a weird, unique kind of time. And, and it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be, because in, in such a way where, I don't think they'll cancel it because I think the go the country will need it. But should it go ahead, I'm not so sure. I think like even like imagine if if, if you know Dublin go on to win it, then you know say one or two of you know Tyrone, Mayo, Donegal, Kerry, like you know if one of those that group didn't you know w- w- had, exactly. had the forfeit for whatever reason, it would it would yeah. still make it make it hollow for for Dublin as well. So. I mean, I think you know we're talking a really low number of, of of teams here that would have to be in that situation for them to call the whole thing off. I would say, um, which as I said, I think I think it's probably likely at at, at some stage anyway. Yeah, exactly. You're spot on. Like, and because, yeah, vice versa. If I think, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, if if Kerry or wherever, if Dublin, if Mayo, Tyrone, whatever, I think Dublin will look at it and say, you know. Is it a real six in a row? Is it like, of course, you know, every every player isn't going to turn down the chance of winning Sam Maguire, but I think with any sport, if if the integrity can be upheld, it's it it any fan wants to see that. Any fan wants to see the best players and the best on the best stage and the best time going at it. And I just, I'm not so sure we're going to see because aside from everything else, in the deepest winters. Even the winter in Ireland, are we going to actually see that that quality championship? Are we going to see that quality of games? I'm not entirely sure either. Like because, you know, with with the weather and like we've all seen this, you know, when it comes into November, December, pitches get a bit mucky. Players, it's raining. It's probably it could be snowing. It could be anything, and it just it, it's not given the proper stage. I think for players of any county, you know across the board to go out and shine like and I think that's probably something that's helped the club came grow a little bit that they've had probably better climatic conditions you know through September through October to have their players back in nice conditions sunny Sundays go out and do their do the business yeah and Cahar I suppose just a lot just maybe a final point on this like is this the right decision by the GAA like uh, you could say the right decision from you know kind of the the PR side of it, but is it is it the right decision for them to take at this time? Do you think? In terms of cutting the club stuff, in terms of not cutting the county stuff, or yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So cutting, cutting, yeah, yeah. Essentially cutting, cutting the club to essentially now you're looking at you know focusing on the on the under county. You know, obviously there'd been a wee bit of pressure coming on the, the, the GA from different angles of media and different things over the last couple of weeks and and also then there's the public health pressure, you know, of, of the rise in infections and, and being seen to indirectly contribute to it, you know, because you know, there is no recorded case in Ireland of transmission at an outdoor event at a Gaelic match. You know, there is no case of of supporters at a game passing the virus on, but there are cases where after parties and celebrations and different things have, have contributed to outbreaks. And so, you know, the GA can't control those things. You know, that's up to the bars and the 
you know, whatever, house parties, and there's very little they can do, but by association, they're, they're linked to them, and it was becoming a bad luck. Um, for them, you could argue they could have held on for another week and got the last of the county finals read up next Sunday. Um, it would have been a pressurised week for them, but I can see why they've done it. I, I felt that it was coming, you know, you know, even as far out as, I think it was maybe three weeks ago when you were starting to think, like obviously being a dairyman, you're starting to look at the, the fairly late date that we had for the county final and you're wondering, will we get there? Because it felt inevitable that this was coming somewhere down the line and it was just on which day it decided to come. And um, thankfully for Derry, they got their county final over, but for Donegal, it's, it's sore. And I think in terms of not... Um, pulling the pin on, on county stuff, I think it's the right call for sure at this stage, even though I agree with the lads there that, you know, there's a fair fair chance that at some point it is going to come. I think I think even recent history would tell us that they, they made a very early call on the on the provincial and all Ireland club championships. And, you know, there's been a lot of weight and pressure on them over the last few weeks to reverse that decision and for a stage it looked very premature and now you know again it doesn't look premature now because it looks like where are you going to play it but but the thing is so changeable from literally one hour to the next that I think they're better sitting for a while yet and seeing what develops over the next week or two at least because the worst thing they could do now is say right no all Ireland and in three weeks time infection numbers have dropped down and they could have had supporters and they could have had games and then everybody's looking at them saying well why the hell did they make a decision three weeks ago so for me let it sit and review it in a couple of weeks time and see where it's at then I agree that I maybe don't see it being finished and I don't even know if I see it being started but I think it's early to call it and didn't uh, didn't Derry pull forward the county final by a week, a few weeks ago there? Didn't they? And they convert to their original schedule. Um, it was originally right? set for the eleventh of October. It was pulled forward once the GAA pulled their dates forward. And re- do you remember that um, the start date was brought forward by two weeks? Yeah. And give everybody an extra two weeks. And what Derry did was not use the first weekend, and then literally lifted the the schedule as a block and brought everything forward by a week from start to finish. So it ended up sort of by default a week earlier. But um, Bet they're glad they did now. <laughs> they are glad they did now indeed. Okay, well here, look, we'll finish it there anyway. Uh, Cahar, Connor and Pierce, thanks for joining me. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll chat to you next time.